Welcome back to another episode of Illinois Football Family. Cam, I'm feeling good coming off this weekend. How you feeling, brother? Man, I'm feeling great, Juice. This was an amazing win for the Illini. We said two weeks ago that this was a new season, that we were starting 0-0, zero and zero, uh, and now we're 1-0 uh, out, out the gate, man. Uh, and I truly do believe that we can find a way to win out and be undefeated on the back end of this, uh, of this season. Um, you know, I, I think it's worth mentioning uh, the the litmus test, I think, for football teams is if you're improving during the season, right? And, and some people may think that that's a you know that's a foregone conclusion. Of course, you want to improve during the season, but it doesn't always happen that way. Uh, I played on teams that have peaked during spring ball. I played on teams who have peaked and ran tool. I played on uh, teams who have peaked in the first or second game of the season. Uh, but whether or not uh, you're improving throughout the year. Uh, is what really matters. And so if, if the question is, uh, you know, whether or not we're getting better, uh, whether or not we're, we're improving throughout the year, I think the answer is unequivocally, absolutely, in no uncertain terms, absolutely, yes, we are. We're getting better, and we saw that this weekend. No, I mean, that's 100%, man. Uh, you know, this is definitely one of the more exciting games that I've seen, not even just Illinois football this year, but just college football in general. Uh, action pack, a lot of back and forth, some 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 hooks being thrown, some counter punches being thrown, and you see a classic game come down to the final few uh, the few seconds to actually close out in our favor that we see uh, with Illinois winning the game over Minnesota this past weekend. And to your point, I mean you, you're absolutely right. Um, each season is always dictated upon whether or not you're improving. Are you making the in-season in-game adjustments? you know, that's going to, you know, be beneficial for you to go out there with games. Obviously, you know, you got film, you have tendencies, you have all this different data that's around the game that says you do this on third down or you do this on first down or coming out of halftime, you do that. And you all, we create these trends and tendencies, but for the teams who are able to adjust and start to throw teams off a little bit, throw your opponent off a little bit, and continuously get better, you start to see running backs or receivers performing better than they did in the first half of the season. That's all what this is about, right? And and again, we reference our you know our our experiences as former players. You see that with the 2002 Big Ten Championship team. Obviously, you saw that with the 2008 Rose Bowl year, where Ohio State being our peak of that season. So I mean, you have to constantly get better. We definitely seeing this with this Illinois football team, and it's not just the cornerstone names anymore. We talked about this yeah. before. We said, hey, Luke, it's time for Luke to step up and be the playmaker instead of the play manager. Luke having an all-time, you know, not all-time, but he's having a season-high type of game. Then he goes, I get hurt. And then we see somebody else step up and make the plays where we talk about Luke going out there and make. So, I mean, all in all, it was definitely a uh, a complete team win. Um, I didn't expect it going down to the wire like that. But, hey, look, I'll take it. And uh, anytime we come out on top of the win, man, uh, I'm always excited to see that. Well, you're right. Listen, uh, you, you called it Luke uh, was having a career-high game. Listen, he, he had three passing touchdowns, which is his career high. Um, I think he completed something like 78 79% uh, of his passes uh, before he um, went back to the sideline. Uh, and then um, the folks who stepped up had to step up. Juice, you know this about me, man. I don't like quarterbacks. I don't like him. Listen, I, I, I don't like Juice Williams, the quarterback. I love Isaiah Williams, my brother, but I don't like quarterbacks. Um, but I got to say, man, um, both Luke and and uh, John Paddock, man, both stepped up in this game. And Paddock did some things that were remarkable. 
Um, if, if Paddock never took another snap as an, as an Illini, he's already a legend just off of those <laughs> those three plays, man. Um, right. And, you know, I'm not trying to hype him up too much, man. But this this was amazing to watch somebody come in uh, in a tough situation like this uh, and to have ice water in his veins and just show up big time, uh, hit big strikes down the field and find a way to get us into the end zone. Uh, it, it was huge. And I think it, it, it's good to watch him. We know some of his story him being a, a transfer from Ball State. Hey, and Juice, I bet you didn't know because I just found this out today. Uh, but John Paddock is uh, the grandson of the great Illini legend John really? Wright Sr. <laughs> um, and, yeah, that's his, that's his, that's his grandkid, man. Um, for those who, who don't know, John Wright Sr. is an Illini legend. Uh, he played at Illinois uh, in the mid-'60s, um, but really uh, has been connected to the program since then. Uh, he came and he spoke to. He speaks to uh, every new recruiting class. He comes and speaks to the team uh, all the time. Me and Juice both got to know him as as we were players there. Uh, John had a, a, a NFL career um, uh, with the Falcons and with the Lions, but he's a he's a Champagne staple. He's a U of I legend, and to see his grandson do what he did last weekend was fun for all of us who know. Hey, bro, history. look, man, you like an Illinois football encyclopedia. Like, how do you find that out? Like, out of all people in an alumni base, you you figure out, like, John Paddock is the grandson of John, right? That's wild. Wow. <laughs> I, t- I tell you what, man, I have my I have my weekly uh, check-in with what our okay. brother just mentioned. Okay. And he brought that up to me. And I was like, I didn't believe him, man, so I had to go look it up myself. Right, okay. it, that it would actually make sense because he's there on campus, so that actually makes sense. Hey, man, look, we, so we kind of talked about, like, you know, uh, guys trying to step up and make these plays. And for me, it was always, hey, look, Luke Altmaier has to go from just managing a game at this point to going out and winning games because this is kind of how the season's unfolded. It's enough experience that's, that's taken place up until this point where it's like now if you want to, you know, kind of rise to the top and start to push push Illinois towards these wins, you have to start to step up making these plays at the quarterback position. Now, last thing in my brain is always someone getting hurt. And at some point, like I said, the quarterback need, need needing to make big plays doesn't stop, right? But we just never anticipate the backup guy coming in and and finish closing out a game like that. Look, the quarterback, the backup quarterback is going to be the best friend of any college town. Everyone loves the backup quarterback because you're always there as a what-if type of guy, right? You get a chance to, you know, do all the hand signals. You get to watch the most film probably. uh, And you're in the safest position by being on the sideline. So a lot of times, you know, you get those mental reps while being on, you know, with the clipboard in your hand. And you can see things from uh, a um, uh, a different perspective versus being out there in front of those live bullets. And, you know, from experience, you know, Eddie McGee, who was my backup at the time, he will often see things very clearly that I couldn't really see during the middle of a game. And when he had his opportunity to jump in, it was not, it's not even a thought of who was open because he's been seeing this thing happen and unfold the entire time on the sideline. All you got to do is just step up and make them throw. And I think that's exactly what happened in that fourth quarter. I don't think it was much of a read, to be honest with you. Like, I think his eyes were upfield. He knew exactly where he needed to go with that ball when he threw it to Isaiah Williams for the touchdown. And I'm just kind of looking at that. Those are just all mental reps that he's been taking their entire game, entire season. And he's seeing something back there that, as you know, being in live action, you don't always get a chance to witness. But him just knowing exactly where the ball should go, stepping up and making the throw, I think that was ultimately what led to him actually going out there and, and uh, executing on that last touchdown drive. 
And, and that's a big deal. We, we both know backup quarterbacks uh, who are involved in the game, watching the play calling, uh, watching scouting, uh, getting ready, not just for, uh, you know, their turn out there, but being able to tell QB1 what they're seeing and what he should be looking for uh, and how to make better throws mm-hmm. and better decisions. Uh, and we also have seen quarterback, uh, second-string quarterbacks who are checked out, who are not really paying attention, who, who got a chip on their shoulder because they're upset that they're not QB1 and who are not doing their part. Um, I think you're absolutely right. The reason uh, that, that John Paddock was able to come in and do what he did uh, with such quickness and proficiency is because he had been watching the whole game and he was able to see things uh, maybe that Luke didn't see while he was out there on the field and he was able to capitalize immediately on what that defense was doing. Um, that's a pro move, man. And so, listen, like I said, you, I'm going to say this again, I don't <laughs> like quarterbacks. But um, I, I, I'm a fan of what he did. And I, I'm almost, I'm Juice, I'm tempted to give him a, a, a nickname, man. I, listen, because he was cool about it. I want to call him Johnny, Johnny Ice, Ice, man. But I also got to call big number four, Josiah Newton. Johnny Newton, that's Johnny Fire, right? So we got Johnny okay. Fire and Johnny Ice. Um, and and they they gonna they gonna uh, yeah. hopefully yeah. do some good things during the clutch. So down, as down a guy with a nickname, I'm gonna give him another week or two before I deem him with a nickname. I, you gotta earn that coming from me. You have to really earn that. You gotta earn that title. Hey, but look, quarterback by committee often happens. Just like we see running backs by committee, we see receiver groups by committee, quarterback by committee. A lot of times, is what's needed to someone steps up and be the guy at the quarterback position. And that's not always something that takes place right away, especially when you have some quarterback turnover. Obviously, with Luke being a new face, his first year starting with the program, John coming over from Ball State as a transfer, no one has really kind of, you know, sunk their teeth into this Atlanta offense and taking the lead. And sometimes you got to have a change of pace sometimes, have someone come off the sideline, go out there, make some plays. And a lot of times we see some level of a rotation. I'm not sure that's what they're going to do going into the rest of, you know, the back half of the season with Luke's injury, and I'm not sure what the status is with that. But I wouldn't be shocked to see, you know, Coach B install some sort of change of pace just to add on what John Patton was able to do at the final end of that game because that's all type of confidence and, and, and inspiration and excitement and motivation for the entire team to see him go out there and make that, those type of plays. So... I mean, I'd be. It'll be interesting to see what this practice uh, schedule looks like. Who getting, you know, who's getting what reps? Who's going with the ones and twos? How they're splitting it? Whether or not Lucas going to be healthy? I know Coach B. You know, he's kind of, you know, it's a big question mark on his health at this point. So I'd be interested to see, you know, what the ultimate approach is, knowing that you got two guys that can go out there and make plays like that. Uh, listen, I, I think you're you're right in, in the. The difficult thing for a defense when preparing uh, to, to play a quarterback uh, is you can get locked in really easy on one player and one type of play, right? But when you've got two or three guys and you're, you're doing quarterback by committee, it's much more difficult for the defense to settle in and figure out what their, what their groove is um, and, and, and how to operate in that space. I, I'm reminded of um, you know, my freshman and sophomore year when we would open up the, the year with Missouri, uh, Mizzou. Uh, down in St. Louis, and I remember us preparing uh, in 2003 for Brad Smith. Um, Brad Smith was a one-of-a-kind quarterback, right? So everything that we did in camp, everything we did in the the days leading up to the game was about a mobile quarterback. And then somewhere in the third quarter, um, Gary Pinkle took Brad out just to mess with us and and put a more traditional QB in, which messed up everything that we were doing on defense, right? Um, and so showing those different looks and, and having that, that diversity um, and, and who's under center 
uh, can really be a game changer, yeah, especially this late in the season. You got to be careful with that too. I mean, as as much as you know, as a, as a fan, as a fan, sometimes from the stands, you'd say, "Well, why don't you just do it all the time? Why don't you just have?" You know, this quarterback go first or second down, this quarterback go third or fourth down, right? It don't always work like that. It's not a video game because when you t- you swap out quarterbacks, you switching out the type of chemistry that comes along with that, right? Even simply calling the plays in the huddle, the snap counts, all that changes. And even as a wide receiver, you have a mobile quarterback who can extend plays using their legs. The, the receivers can stay on the move to get open. When you got a, a bit more of a traditional drawback, you have to get your head around quick because that ball is coming out pretty fast, and there's probably won't be any extended plays in terms of scramble drills or things like that. So that changes gear. So you have to be careful. You have to really fine-tune that process if you're going to go with a dual quarterback system. Uh, it could be effective, but at the same time, it could work against you as well. So, you know, I, I don't want get, I don't want, I don't want fans to get too, too excited thinking this is a video game, just swapping out pieces like that. Well, I trust that this coaching staff is going to do the right thing, the right thing for, for this program, the right thing for this team based on what we have. Uh, obviously, we hope that Luke um, is able to get through whatever injury he does have and that he can find his way back to the field um, and that we can find ways to mix it up with, with, with uh, John Paddock as well. Yeah, man, so, you know, speaking of another individual performance, you know, I guess you can call my protege, Isaiah Williams, one. I mean, he had his coming out party as a wide receiver, um, 13 catches, 131 yards, two touchdowns. Um, we've seen him go off at the quarterback position before and break an individual. Actually, broke my home my home record for for a rushing quarterback. We've seen him go out at the quarterback position, but I think we've all been on the edge of our seats to see when he would have his breakout game as a wide receiver. Not only was it fun to see him go off the way he did the entire game, but for him to to make the game win the touchdown on the post right over the top. I mean, that was just icing on the cake, and that gives us a sense of you know this this is just the reality of the realization of look all that potential is starting to realize itself because he's actually out there making the plays now. So if we can activate a weapon like that, which we all know you know what he's what he's capable of doing, along with have guys guys like Johnny Newton, Pat Bryant. John Paddock, Luke coming back, getting healthy, and everyone is, you know, making these type of plays. I mean, we can be a very dangerous team going into these back half of the season. Yeah, I I, I can't say it any better than, than you just said it. Those of us who watch this game, who understand this game, know that potential is both a gift and a curse. Uh, and many of us who have been able to see the, school, the skill set that Isaiah Williams has uh, have been waiting for him really just to kind of to, to hop that hurdle uh, and to be the complete receiver that we know he can be just based on um, the, the skills and the attributes that he has. And he did that. He did that in a, in a big way uh, this past weekend against Minnesota. And so it means a lot of things. One, one, it gives us more opportunities to win games like we did this week. But also, uh, because of what he did, uh, he will now uh, absolutely have every other team we play from here on out game planning against him uh, intentionally. Uh, which does a few things, right? It's going to put some pressure on him, and it's going to make him have to rise to the occasion. But it's also going to give other guys an opportunity to show up. Uh, you know, when 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 defenses lock in on one guy, uh, it's going to give uh, other you know quote unquote role players the ability to step up in the, in, the, in the spotlight as well. And so I'm looking for big games from from Pat Bryan and the, and the rest of the crew uh, because there's going to be a lot of focus on Isaiah for the next three weeks. No, man, 100%. And that's a good point as I transition into our juice box segment for this episode. And I like to catch you off guard with stuff that's going to be super random and and cause you to think on the spot. All right. So speaking of how 
Illinois just won this game in the last, uh, you know, within the last minute or so uh, against Minnesota. You're the defensive coordinator for for Minnesota, right? And you know your team is out there on the field. You know they're you know they're they're, they're gasping for air. They're getting fatigued. It, it, it's it's fourth and eleven. Design me your play to get off the field as a defensive coordinator to stop a high power offense like that in the fourth quarter. Design up a defensive scheme for one play that you see that you that you run out there to execute to get a stop for your defense. Oh, well, okay, this is a this is a different one. Um, well, let me let me start off by saying no one's ever asked me to be a defensive coordinator because that's that's just not that's not my ministry, man. Uh, I'm a caveman when it comes to football. I'm a savage. I, I got one rule and one rule only, and you know that is go get the quarterback, right? Um, go get him. Go get him. But you know, um, take, taking this uh, this task as as it is, um, you know, I I like seeing movement um, up front. Uh, especially when guys are winded, right? I'm not a big kind of scheme and tricks guy, uh, but sometimes you got to do something a little extra uh, to get your guys ramped up, especially on fourth or third and long, right? Especially if guys are, are winded, right? And so, um, you know, I would try to find a way probably to, to blitz uh, from the, the short side boundary if the football is on the hash, right? Just depending on what the field position is. Um, yep. We know in, in, in third and fourth and long or medium, uh, the quarterbacks become clutch. Uh, and so we need to seriously limit whatever those passing windows are uh, uh, for the quarterback. So I think like a, a, a zone weak corner blitz um, to me is a good uh, balance of, of both pressure and coverage. Uh, and then I would use the safety um, on the side, other side of the field to, to, to fill in for the corner that's blitzing uh, to handle the gap until the linebacker can no, get there. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would do some, some, some sexy stuff, man, with my D-line if I can get them excited about it, man. I would have uh, both my three technique and my nose keying in on the center. Uh, I would then kind of float the other uh, D-tackle away from the sliding center and ricochet upfield uh, to see if we can get the, the D-tackle to wrap around uh, and get some pressure from the quarterback that way. That, that's, I don't know what I would call that. It's, 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 um, it's, it's more intricate than I normally would say, but you asked an intricate question, so I'm trying to – Play the game long, <laughs> but into the game, go get the quarterback, man. Just go get, go the, quarterback. get the quarterback. I like it. I like it, man. I like it. Uh, no, what you dialed up is, is is quite difficult to defend because you don't expect it. Fourth and 11, you think everyone drops back in coverage and you got time to get the ball off. Those hot blisses in an unexpected situation like that where quarterback-wise, my eyes are up the field and I'm looking at the safety and some, someone comes off the edge and catch me off guard. A lot of time, boom, there it is, right? Get the, yeah. get the, you know, get the quarterback hit some quarterback pressure. You get off the field pretty quick. So I actually like that. Good job, Ken. I think i catch you off guard with that. I think i catch you off guard. All right, Indiana, man, we, got, we, we, we have another winnable game, in my opinion, um, coming up. This weekend, um, they was able to go out and get an upset against Wisconsin. Now, good for them last week against Wisconsin. I don't quite believe that hype. I know Wisconsin is a pretty solid team, and I think that's a game that got away from them. Um, You line that game up again this upcoming weekend, I don't think Indiana has a chance against Wisconsin, but they just kind of caught them. They did what they were supposed to do this past weekend. But... um, I think far as with Illinois coming off a monster win like we did, the way we won, I think there's a lot of excitement overhang going into this game against Indiana. And, you know, on paper, this is a very winnable game. Um, and this has started, you know, I, I, I guess in some level has developed into an unofficial rivalry, Illinois and Indiana over the years. Even if you're looking at Illinois-Indiana basketball, right, this has kind of been that little tension 
down 74, I-74 for some time now. So with, all, with everything that's on the line in, ter- in terms of bowl contentions, you know, what are your thoughts going into this game against Indiana? What are some of the, key, uh, the keys to victory uh, as we face the Hoosiers this week? Well, there's a few things. Uh, we should put it on the table that, uh, yes, we can afford to lose this game, but we better not, right? We, we can't come in here thinking we got, we got three to get two. We got to win every game in the po- in the in the second half of the I season. Take care of business now uh, yeah. to make it happen, right? And so um, this game is extremely winnable. Uh, I agree with you. The Wisconsin game does not really show us uh, who Wisconsin really is or, or who Indiana really is. But that's also one of the great things about playing in the greatest conference in college football uh, is that anybody can be anybody any week, and that's what makes the Big Ten I think better than than our counterparts uh, in conferences around around the country. Um, and what I also will say that the, the Wisconsin win, I still believe, uh, probably belongs to us, man, because we, we beat them up pretty bad, man. They're still limping around. And so when folks have been able to get the best of Wisconsin for the last couple of weeks, I do think it's because of the, the hurting that, that we were able to put uh, on, on them when they visited Champaign just a couple of weeks ago for homecoming. Um, at, at the end of the day, uh, this game is going to come down to, to who wants it most. Um, Indiana is – just like us, they're surging at the right time, right? They're getting better um, at the right point of the season, which uh, can lead to some problems for, for us playing against them. But but I think that, you know, man to man, we match up pound for pound much better than them. Um, uh, I'll cut it off before it starts. No, we don't have a quarterback controversy. Uh, as you said, we may have quarterback by committee, and we'll, we'll make that happen. I'm sure the coaching staff will – um, we would do the right things to, uh, to do that. But I said this last week, Juice, and, and, and it was very clear in the win against Minnesota. I'll say it again. Uh, hot boy summer is over. It is fat boy <laughs> fall. It is fat boy fat fall. Boy fall. The, the, the way we won this game last week um, was that, you know, Luke had a, a career game, uh, and then Patty came out and had a career game, and Isaiah had a career game. It was because the O-line was protecting them. Uh, and, and, and then uh, when it comes to the defensive stops, especially that big one on fourth down, uh, big number four being back after his suspension, doing what he had to do, uh, the big guys up front on the defensive uh, side of the, of the ball uh, made a huge difference too. And so this is going. This is fall football. It comes down to the trenches. Fat boy fall is upon us. That's going to win this game. Hey, look, fat boy fall is definitely here. Uh, the game is is won in the trenches in November. I mean, and in the Midwest, we all know that it gets chilly. It gets chilly this time of year. We don't have the luxury of being in Florida or in California where the elements work in your favor as an offense, right? So the guys in the trenches really start to grind it out and put and put the closing remarks on any season for all the teams that's playing in these cold weather environments. And, you know, we're no exception to that rule. Hey, I think just like last week, I mean, we got to have our, our our big name players step up and make the big plays. So this is one of those games where Indiana, if you let them stick around long enough, they'll find a way to make that game very interesting and sometimes they'll win, right? We saw that happen with them in Wisconsin last week. So, and like I said, I don't, I'm not necessarily a believer in that Indiana team as a, as a huge, huge threat. I, th- I think Minnesota was a bit more dangerous than his Indiana team is coming into this week. Um, but it's still the Big Ten. You still actually got to go out there and do it. So, you know, my my prescription for, for this team, you get out and you get out big quick, and you really <coughs> take away any sort of motivation that they have right away. They're three and six. They can't afford another, lo- another loss. So them being down big at halftime, they'll tap out because, you know, we all know that you play for a bowl. You, you play for a bowl appearance. 
And if at halftime you're down 21, 28 points, 30 points or something like that, that's pretty much it. You could potentially lose by 50 because you pretty much just kind of tapped up knowing that you're not going to make it to a bowl game. So I think you have to put them in this situation where let them know from the jump, y'all don't have a shot today. Y'all coming in our backyard. Everything is on the line. This is that indirect rivalry that I talked about. We know y'all don't really like us. We don't really like y'all like that. So we're going to hit y'all in the mouth early to let y'all know this ain't that this weekend. That, that's, that, that's true. Um, and the other thing is that, that we've been able to, to be really successful in the last few weeks on the road, right? Some Two, two really big road victories um, uh, with Minnesota and with Maryland uh, in the last few weeks. And so we're, we're at home now. We're at home in front of our, our fans um, who should be re-energized about Illinois football. Um, the, the good thing about this quote-unquote rivalry uh, is that many of the Illinois guys have um, some some good memories of, of, of us being able to dominate Indiana uh, throughout the years. But many of the Indiana guys, I mean, their, their entire roster uh, is, is transfer portal uh, uh, results, right? And so some of these guys don't even – Kind of understand the, the the friction within the within the conference, which is good. Uh, so we'll slap them and smack them in the mouth as soon as they walk out the out the tunnel, man. Um, and we got to keep the, our foot on their neck because, as you said, um, you give them too much breathing room, uh, and anything can happen. This is the Big Ten. Anybody can be anybody on any given Saturday. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. And again, like I said, I mean, you put these guys away early um by hitting them in the mouth you hit them often and i think it's going to take guys like johnny newton obviously to set the tone of defense and let 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 america know why he's the top defensive tackle in the country and i think he could single-handedly point that out and be a disruptor early in this game and i also think on the flip side we talked about luke altmaier and, and john paddock quite some time but i think isaiah he goes into the huddle and start to demand the ball a little bit and i know you know not in a cocky or or arrogant way because you had a career day but no I'm one of the more electrifying players in this conference. Give me a chance to 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 spin a little bit and let me make some let me take some of the burden off the quarterback position, even off some of these running backs as well. So I think you have that type of energy and that kind of that type of bounce, not only from a play design, a, a game plan standpoint, but on an individual basis. Like I'm, I'm I'm big on I'm just better than you. I'm big on that type of energy. Yeah. I think he walks into the huddle. Letting those guys know, look, I need all y'all to do what y'all need to do because give me the ball and we're going we gonna to put them away early, right? Yeah. And I think that's the type of game that they need to have. So, I mean, everything has to stack up. I mean, of course, you're just not going to do that come Saturday, right? Every, every, every day this week matters, Monday through Friday, as you prepare for a type of game like that. But I think that's the type of result that we'll need to see come Saturday in order to, forget, uh, to jump on any other quit. Juice, that, that all gas, no brakes, that put your foot on their neck and, and never let go. Uh, type of deal. Uh, it reminds me of, of something that one of our, our former teammates, Jason Davis, used to say. He would ask the question, how do you kill an ant with a sledgehammer? Right? <laughs> That's how you kill an ant. With a sledgehammer. No mercy. <laughs> no mercy. No mercy. Zero. Yeah. Kill an ant with a sledgehammer. Twice if you need to. <laughs> no, nah, man. So that's the type of, I mean, and, and again, that's, that's just me, um, how I like to play the game. And I know for sure that's how you play the game as well. Uh, and, and it's and it gets simple as that. I mean, all the the, the data and the analytics and you know all the statistics. That's cool, but sometimes it's it's, it's games like this. Like, look, we're just gonna punch y'all in the mouth, and we're gonna do it early, and we're just gonna stomp on y'all. In any 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 life y'all thought y'all have, we're gonna zap that out of y'all pretty quick. 
Now, you have to do that. And you have to be smart about it and, you know, be passionate, you know, but play within the rules and play within the whistle. Um, but don't miss because, again, yeah. these guys can capitalize off that, keep the game close, right, and then who knows what happens in the third or fourth quarter. Absolutely. Yep, so so it should be a fun game, man. Look, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like you said, I mean, no, it's not a must-must win in terms of do we need to win out? No, we got we, we get a one-game mulligan in there. But let's not use that on Indiana because, you know, we still got Iowa next week, and obviously Northwestern is always a tough game, so you never know what's going to happen with that. So I'm really big on taking, taking care of business while we got the opportunity before back us against the wall, which will, you know, inflict a lot of additional pressure. So, yeah. so I'm looking forward to, to checking it out this weekend and seeing what, uh, seeing what the game comes about. Same here. Well, listen, with every win, we get better. Uh, with every win, it gets easier, right? Um, and, and more and more pressure is relieved from us when it comes to, uh, you know, postseason play. And so uh, this is a big game. Once again, like I said, we, we, we can afford to win this game, but we better not win it. I mean, to lose this game, but we better not lose it. Uh, because yeah. this is the momentum that we need uh, to win um, the next three games, uh, the next two games after that as well. Yeah, man, for sure. I'm thinking back, man, it's, it's, it's Indiana, uh, and I'm trying to think back to my history with Indiana. Any, any For you, any memories jump out, like key games, key performances? I, I remember um, playing. I mean, look, this is the Illinois football, so talk about the scuffles too if, they, if we got any history with Indiana as well. Yeah, Indiana never much wanted to fight us. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> listen, it, they want no smoke. There was a point in time in Illinois football uh, in the early years for me where we, we may not have won on the field, but we definitely uh, didn't lose. Uh, uh, in other places, on the streets, <laughs> and and the, the the after the extracurricular activities, we were really good at that. Um, but uh, you know, I'm I'm reminded when I think of Indiana, I, I remember going to play them for their homecoming. I think it was in 2005, uh, Zook's first year there, and um, we uh, it was a rainy day in Bloomington. I remember us getting there super late the night before because we had some issues with our transportation, and. Um, uh, they had a, a young man by the name of Ben Jarvis Green Ellis uh, playing running back. Mm -hmm. You remember Ben Jarvis? Mm -hmm. uh, I and, do. And Ben Jarvis is funny, man. We our families go way back. He he grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, he went to Saint August Augustine High School, which is uh, in the community that my my family lives in in, in New Orleans. And so I've known uh, the law firm, as they called him, for for a very long time. Uh, and he um. He rushed for a couple hundred yards on us, man. But that was one of those games that it just was a tough game. We found a way to just come back. And we won that game. Um, we didn't win it by much, but we did win it. Uh, and that was just was a, a great feeling, man, to watch um, Illinois football kind of pull it together on the road in Bloomington. Um, but that's always a – thank God we're playing in Champaign because that's always a tough place to play. I never like playing uh, in, that, in the other Memorial Stadium. Um, and they also have the other Assembly Hall there. They, they, they've tried to be like us for, for a long time. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, um, Indiana's always been an interesting rivalry for us. Yeah, so, yeah, so Indiana is, 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 is always a, you know, a tricky game because, you know, even just to commute to Indiana, that's, they're not that far away, so you actually have to bus over to Bloomington, Indiana, versus taking the flight. So, I mean, it, it, was, always just, it was always just weird playing against them. It was like it's, it's, it's so many similarities in terms of stadium capacity, you know, program history, things like that. There's a lot of guys that you went through the recruiting ranks with. Um, you know, it's, it was always tricky. But, I'm a, I mean, a couple of performances that jump out for me, I mean, the biggest one, at least I had the experience of being involved with, was 2007 
uh, Rashard Mendenhall got off against Indiana, and that was that was that was the first time I looked at, looked at Rashard. Again, we talk about realizing talent. That's the first time I looked at Rashard. and said, "Oh yeah, he's he's a twenty year old junior. Yeah, I got about six games left with him. He's out of here. He's going to the NFL yeah, for yeah. sure. Because he because he I want to say Rashard has something like." 16 carries, like 240 yards, four touchdowns or something crazy like that. He went off. And I remember um, he had a discussion with the running backs coach, Reggie Mitchell. And Reggie Mitchell was always giving him a hard time about swinging the ball and cutting back across the field. And I've never seen a player do this to a coach at that age. He said, look, coach, I make you – I tell you what, I make you a bet. I make you a deal. If you let me play, however I want to play for one game, I'm going to make you look like the best running back coach in America. And and he the way he said it, Cam, in front of everybody. And I mean, you can't do anything but respect it. And the coach is like, all right, look, you get one game, but if you stink it up, you're done. Like you on you'll be on the bench with me for the rest of the year. Listen. And I mean, he went out there, 16 carries, four touchdowns, and I'm like, look, this dude is special. So I mean, you talk about performance wise against Indiana. I mean, that got to be my top one. That's a legendary story, man. Because anybody who knows Richard. And anybody who who knows Coach Mitchell uh, knows that Juice probably gave the PG thirteen version of that story of commentary. I definitely gave a PG PG version of that, especially at that at that point in uh, that point in, in Richard's career. Um, and, and listen, Coach Mitchell, man, I, I've known him for a long time. He's my fraternity brother. Uh, he recruited me in high school. Um, but uh, you, you, you can ask some guys around the league uh, how he likes to motivate. Guys like, guys like it takes Plaxico Burris to talk about Reggie Mitchell and the way he used to talk to him in, in East Lansing when, when Reggie was at Michigan State. But I can, I can only imagine how that conversation went. Um, I'm playing it in my head right now, and it's hilarious. <laughs> oh, man, it was, look, it was, it, was, it was tension. It was tension. Definitely some F-bombs dropped. Uh, some Gatorade, some Gatorade being tossed around. <laughs> So it, no, it's a it's a story it's a it's a story for the books for sure because again a kid you're 20 and you bet it all on one game one performance I mean that just kind of speaks volumes to what he thought about himself and obviously he had everyone else's respect around him because we actually everyone you know let it let it come, let it really happen so so that was pretty dope but I mean yeah but Indiana is always a tough game and I, and I remember the following year um, we really stuck it to Indiana we actually smacked them for for homecoming night game 55 to 13 and yeah. I and I actually had a, a pretty solid game that that week too so it's always fun um, they're gonna hit you hard um, they're gonna be competitive but you know with as much as on the line as this game because we are playing them towards the end of the year not early on with there's not many bowl can, uh, you know bowl uh, indications to it but with so much on the line, this will be a hard fall game. I'm super excited to see what this is going to look like on Saturday. I'm, I'm excited about it, too. This is going to be big. And uh, if we can pull it all together and play a complete game, I think we'll walk away from Saturday uh, feeling good about ourselves with a W and going, uh, getting ready for the next one. Got it, man. What else is going on? College football, I mean, we got a couple minutes left. Um, just kind of open the floor up a little bit. You know, uh, obviously we kind of talked about Kayla Williams um, last week. Um, look, I, I am a high emotion guy, and no one likes losing less than I do. Kayla was actually boohooing on the sideline this week, and I don't know if you saw that. They they, they lost a game they probably should have won. Um what was those tears about? I can't quite figure it out, right? And, and it, unless you know something or someone else knows something I'm not aware of, 
those like with tears are like that was it. Like this is like you lost like you lost some in that game. Besides yeah, a win, I, 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 I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, and you know, I'm a, I'm a skeptic by nature. I know when you're the the a projected number one pick in the NFL draft that there are people coaching you and telling you that people are watching every single thing you do. Um, so it's not like he didn't know. It's not like Cam Buckner getting caught on the sideline and digging in his nose, right? Nobody <laughs> right. watching me. Um, <laughs> like this, this dude who knows that everybody's looking at him, man. So I'm a little, I'm a little confused and concerned about what that was about, um, especially given the conversation we had two weeks ago about what his father is asking from teams. Uh, you know that that are looking to draft him as far as equity stake in, in in the in the organization. And so I, I'm a little confused, bro. I don't know what that was. Man, look, I, same thing because I'm like, look, you, you know all those cameras on you, right? You can't even chew gum or whatever it is without someone look you to start a quarterback and you win a Heisman. You, I mean, you all you got Wendy's commercials, you got endorsements. You know people watching, and you still crying like that in Auntie's arms, boohooing like that. With, with the knowledge of how many cameras on you, so I don't know. Look, some is telling me it was it was something that was riding on the game, and and, and I'm not saying that in like an illegal, like a sports <laughs> betting way. Not. But I don't know, man. Some pops probably told like, look, we need this win, or we gonna lose that half a point we was trying to get. I, you know what I mean? I feel like it was something like that that was going on that was really riding on this game because I mean, look, them th- those was like tears of like, yo, I I, I failed a test or. Yeah. Or I, I'm getting kicked out or expelled or something like that. Those are some serious tears. And after the game, I think he said something like, "I just want to go home and cuddle up with my with my dog or something like that." Like, yo, what is going on with this dude? Man, I tell you what. And when I when I saw it, I was thinking about um, you know how fortunate we have been and how fortunate folks are uh, to play a game they love, right? And we can we can talk about compensation. You know how I feel about that. Um, but, you know, regardless from all that, being able to play a game you love. And wins and ma- wins and losses matter, and losses hurt. But, um, man, this man is on the national stage um, playing the game he loves. <laughs> you know, it, it, in the, I remember after a, a bad loss, and I can't remember who it was, um, but I'm walking through the locker room kind of looking down. And you know this. I came from a high school football program where I probably lost five games my entire high school career. Um, and so – you know, uh, losing to Illinois uh, early was was not something that I was used to. And I remember walking around the, the the stadium, the facility, with a with a long face one day. And Coach Zook ran up on me and grabbed me like he would do. He said, "What's wrong with you, man?" I said, "Man, we losing, bro. Like, what do you mean? What's wrong with me?" Um, and he said, "He said uh, you could be. This is during the Iraq War. He said you can be in Iraq or Afghanistan in a foxhole with an AK-47 and a can of beans, but you're here with me." at the U of I playing football. This is the greatest day of your life. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> this is the greatest day of like, my life. Look, that's, look, that's some perspective for you. Dang. Yeah, greatest day of my that's life, man. So, for um, I don't know. Caleb, head up, bro. I don't know, what, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But it's not that serious. <laughs> it ain't deep, bro. I know. And look, and this is me. I am competitive. Like, you are. I hate losing. I, like, I get it. I absolutely get it. You are, yeah. But, man, he was, like, balled up in auntie arms, like, yo, it's going to be okay. Like, we lost somebody. So, I mean, but, look, this is all funny games to us. I mean, whatever you got going on, man, like, look, m- good luck with everything. Much respect. Uh, but that was very funny to see that. So, I mean, look, um, 
good kid, good play, you know, a f- phenomenal talent. But we 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 got some questions around them tears. Those were some we big do. teardrops, bro. <laughs> we got some questions around that. Hey man, it's been it's been fun, Cam. As always, man. Looking forward to the game this weekend. Super excited to see what this what the results are going to be. It's a lot riding on this game against Indiana. Obviously, we're pulling for Illinois to, to to just get us one step closer to being in bowl contentions. Um, super excited to see what comes about, and um, it's always good to be on, be be here with you, brother. Man, great to chat as always. Looking forward to the rest of uh, this season, uh, and it really starts with what happens this week. This is a big game. We'll get over this hump. I believe we can find a way to pull it together uh, and uh, move this team in the right direction. So uh, we'll do this again next week, bro. Oski Wow Wow. Oski Wow Wow. Until next time. <laughs>